The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast, guys. This is Wacky Wednesday. I'm Adam Best, here as always with the golden voice of Sterling Holmes and the maestro behind the boards, producer Richard. We are glad to be here today. Before we dive in, I want to say a little something about Monday night. Uh, It just wouldn't feel right to move uh, directly into Chiefs news and the goofy stuff we do without taking a moment to uh, just, just... talk about what happened so there's no way around it this is a gloomy week in the football world what happened to damar hamlin was equal parts horrifying and heartbreaking chief's kingdom is no stranger to tragedies Derek thomas joe delaney mac lee hill and Jovan belcher to point out just a few i guess my advice and you know i don't know what i'm doing here better than any of you do is to lean on how we felt during those experiences to help show some empathy for Bill's mafia right now. I think that's all we can do is understand what they're going through and that uh, his life and people's grieving are more important than seeding or the game of football or even who wins the Super Bowl. So without with that out of the way, Sterling, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm doing doing all right. Obviously, what we saw was horrific and what transpired was something we hopefully never wished to see on a football field. It was a unique situation that uh, heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. You feel for the players. Hopefully they can get back us dominated this entire week for the most part. Obviously, it's top of mind. Uh, Seeding comes secondary. Obviously, what this means for Kansas City, uh, in my opinion, at least, comes secondary to the man's life. Obviously, we wish the best for him. Uh, But outside of everything, I'm doing well. Can't complain at all. I got a nice Casey beer with me, Uh the nice Ellis Lager with me. Found out Casey beer now has uh, the Baltic Porter back on tap. They don't stop, do they? I've been, you know, let's just do it now because we do the ad read anyways. Might as well keep going into it while we're talking about it. I've been clamoring for them to get Baltic Porter back on tap. I just, it's one of my favorite all-time specialty beers. It's now back on tap for a limited time at Casey Beer Co. If you've not had it before, I highly recommend the Baltic Porter. Uh, I obviously have this nice little neon Casey Beer Co. sign. My dad got me that for Christmas. Uh, Thank you. Shout out to my dad. He knows me so well. But Casey Beer Co., uh, they, they brew their beer according to the Bavari- Bavarian Beer Purity Beer Law of 1516. Four ingredients only. I'm telling you guys, if you've not had Casey Beer Co., I highly recommend it. Dare to beer different. Let's do some awards, shall we? Let's get into it. The first award for Week 17 Awards is the Distinguished Johnson Award. Who's butt did you kiss to get in here? Huh? Well, the list is long, but distinguished. Yeah, well, so is my Johnson. This one goes to rookie special teams ace Nazi Johnson, who's helped the Chiefs struggling special teams units over the past month. He had two solo tackles last week, one in punt coverage, one on kickoff coverage. Hey, it's been so rocky on special teams. We have to focus on the good a little bit. He had uh, a special teams tackle in four consecutive games now. So the Marshall safety is putting that 4-3-5 speed to good use. And a seventh round pick that makes it is always a heartwarming story, but Veach's ability to find late round gems, that might be the story here. That we have, what, three seventh rounders playing for this team? That That's kind of absurd. No, it's very absurd that he's done such a great job late in the draft getting guys who can be, if not necessarily major impact players, contributors. And that's what matters late round guys. You want to have contributors, guys that are on the roster. They're not going to be your starters. If that's your QB, odds are unless you're drafting Brady in the sixth, it's not going to be the the game changer. So getting guys who can actually be on the field, like 
Ozzie Johnson on special teams is huge. Uh, special teams has been a disaster, so I wonder if he can actually catch the rock and not fumble. That'd be a nice start. <laughs> hey, guys like that don't get a lot of credit, so I wanted to single him out. But let's move on to the next award, the You Can't Win Award. You can't go with what you are. Have you read the papers? Do you know what everybody says? It's suicide. You've seen him. You know how strong he is. You can't win. She wasn't talking about Drago. She was talking about Patrick Mahomes. And the winner here is the Denver Broncos for losing 15 straight times to the Chiefs. I can't believe it, but at the same time, I can't, I kind of can. How about you, Sterling? It's absurd. And I know the main storyline coming from this game was how close it was, how close it shouldn't have been, the dysfunction and disarray that Denver Broncos were in. But when you've played a team two times a season, when you've played a team and they, you know each other as well as the Broncos and Chiefs know each other, it truly is incredible. It's been this long. I always love bringing this up because as a Kansas City native, Kansas City fan, the Kansas City Royals won the World Series in 2015. That's how long it has been since the Broncos have beaten the, the Kansas City Chiefs. It's just an incredible stretch and of domination the Chiefs have had over the Denver Broncos. It makes it that much sweeter than it is the Broncos. There's just something about the donkeys, right? Just something about them. When John Elway was there, when Jake Plummer was doing his, his damn QB bootleg rollouts, pissing me off, it's nice to see the Chiefs regain some of this this domination that was lost. I love to see it. Even Peyton Manning winning with his noodle arm, that just drove oh. me crazy. So it's long overdue. I grew up tortured by John Elway, uh, but it's borderline impossible to do this to any opponent, let alone a divisional one, like you pointed out. The NFL record is 20 straight, and that was set by the Buffalo Bills against the Miami Dolphins from 1970 to 1979. I have to say, I do not think breaking that is unthinkable for Kansas City, given the state the Denver Broncos franchise is currently in and how they're probably going to have to take a step backwards before they take any steps forward. That's just the position they're in, having gone all in on Russell Wilson and sort of whiffing on that hard swing. Swing. I have to say, the close margin, margin sure, that was disappointing, but you don't get style points for blowouts, do you? And Remember, the Chiefs are always the hunted. Everyone gets up for the Chiefs, especially the Denver Broncos. And sometimes when teams have a coaching change, it gets them a little jacked up. We've seen that time and time again. Obviously, Nathaniel Hackett was part of the problem there. I think they looked much sharper without him on the sideline. That kind of speaks volumes. But, you know, like our rival Al Davis used to say, just win, baby, we're 13-3. and three. Vegas had us at 10.5 wins, right? And Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, that duo has never won less than 12 games. So it, it, two years from now, we won't forget that this was a three-point a three point, uh, margin. We'll just remember that we beat the, the Broncos 17, 18, 19 times in a row, right? They just run together at this point. The Broncos, uh, they have a long way to go. A long way to go. It might legitimately be a decade before they beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Let's get into the next award, the Five Times Award. Five times! Five times! Five times! Five times! Five times! Let's celebrate Jarek McKinnon. First Super Bowl era running back to score a receiving touchdown in five straight games. This is absurd. What Jarek McKinnon has done, he's turned back the clock. I, I've been saying this for a while going into this year. They're going to save McKinnon. What he did in the playoffs was incredible, right? And, and he's never been able to really stay healthy for a full season. He's not going to be a bell cow guy. But keep him healthy. Let him show off when he needs to show off. Wait for the end of the season and then the playoffs. And that's what we're seeing from Jarek McKinnon. He is the perfect guy to be a third down back, to have this complimentary role with Isaiah Pacheco. They're so different. What they bring to the table is the complete opposite. Uh, their styles are different, and McKinnon is so good in pass protection. He's just such a weapon. He looks more explosive now than he has in any time throughout his career. You don't see that from, what, a 30-year-old running back with multiple major injuries uh, McKinnon, there's not much more you can say about him. He's just been a phenomenal asset this year for the Chiefs. 
What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I agree. He looks like the Jarek McKinnon who filled in for Adrian Peterson back wearing purple for the Vikings. That's been a long, long, long time ago. I was a much younger man back then. So I don't know how he does it, but he is silky smooth in the passing game. The elusiveness, the burst, he has, he just has a great feel for the game. And it's really kind of ironic that this guy was just sitting there on the scrap pile. And Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round pick. And we invested that first round pick on Clyde Edwards Alaire. I'm sorry, I have to keep I know you're gonna say sunk cost. Sunk, but it, cost it is a it is a best. reminder. It is a reminder strategically of how to put a team together. I don't know. He's just Mr. Winner. There's something and I do think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. They know this guy has an injury history. So they kind of keep the training wheels on until December hits and then they unleash the Kraken. And it has been fireworks. Both winners, we're going to call him Mr. Winner, both last year and this year at this time. And it's just incredible that he's done this because no running back in the Super Bowl era has ever scored five receiving touchdowns uh, five games in a row. He actually has eight receiving touchdowns, but to do that five games in a row, I mean, CMC has never done that. LaDainian Tomlinson never did that. Priest Holmes, our own Priest Holmes, our own Jamal Charles, they never did that. So really an insane run he's on. It is McKinnon season. By the way, we mentioned how he's, you know, he's 30 now. I was playing basketball the other day with some college kids and just how quick life hits you. They're 19 years old, you know, sophomores, and I'm playing up there at the wreck with them. They look over me, ask how old I am. I say 28. First, it starts off with a compliment. Oh, wow, you look 24. I'm like, thanks, guys. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm giving them buckets, by the way. And this dude looks over at me and goes, man, I hope I'm playing basketball when I'm 28. How old do they think 28 is? Like, am I just an ancient dinosaur to these kids these days? This is absurd. My obviously my back hurt and I had to leave and I couldn't let them see. So I'm, I'm like walking out all tough. I go right around the door. I'm just just breathing heavy, just absolutely panting. Oh, hoping they don't see me. Like, yeah, this that is, is rough. When you said 19, I, I like spit out my drink a little bit because if they think you're old at 28, I'm 44, <laughs> man. Like I, I'm, I'm like ancient, ancient. I might as well put me off the pasture, right? I was like, damn, fellas, thanks for that. Uh, Let's get into the next award, the Coffees for Closers Award. Put that coffee down. Coffees for closers only. And also remember, ABC, always be closing. Uh, This one goes out to the CEO of SAC Nation, Chris Stone Cold Jones. Chris Jones, he ended that game. The last two plays of that game defensively were sealed by Chris Jones. Tackle for loss in the sack. 
Chris Jones is probably not going to win DPOI as much as we want him to. Probably going to go to the Bosa, right? Going to go to him because of the sack numbers, the sack totals. That's always the eye-popping number. But what Chris Jones has done in the interior has been nothing short of amazing. He's having a prime Aaron Donald-type season. He's had a better season than Aaron Donald this year. Chris Jones is a game wrecker. I asked for consistency at the start of the season. That is what he's given us. Chris Jones, this one goes out to you. I think it's fair to say that the red and gold would have two or three extra L's in the loss column if it wasn't for Chris Jones. He is their reliever out of the bullpen on defense. And I heard this from Nate Taylor on the Athletic Podcast. His football IQ You don't think about a defensive lineman having high football IQ, but he does. Part of Jones' late-game dominance is the byproduct of his probing to find an advantageous matchup, and then he exploits it during crunch time. He um, waited. He saw early in the game that playing on the center was something that was going to get him loose later in the game and kind of kept that tucked away in his back pocket. You know, him and Frank don't usually line up next to each other because... I don't know if I agree with this, but the consensus on the Chiefs is that those are the best two players and it makes the offensive line's job easier if they can just shift to block Chris and Frank. I, I don't agree with Frank being the second best player on the defensive line, but that's the strategy. But anyways, he figured out how to put himself in an advantageous position at the end of the game to get a sack. And I think that's something that he does on the regular. You like seeing defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo sort of giving him some freedom to use that football IQ to make big plays down the stretch. Can, can I do another award that I know we didn't plan going into this? Impromptu. I love it. Let's, let's play jazz, baby. I, I'm going to call it the Julio Franco Award, a.k.a. Okay. the Veteran Move Award. Julio Franco played Major League Baseball until he was, what, 49? Right. So he he had a, a wide array of veteran moves. Right. That's mm-hmm. what Carlos Dunlap was in a football sense. Carlos Dunlap was a ultimate veteran move this entire game. First half, especially when Russell Wilson kept bootlegging out. They were trying to extend plays with his legs. Uh, probably the reason why Hackett was gone. We didn't see that a lot all season until this game when Hackett leaves. What do we see? Russell Wilson trying to move and extend plays with his legs. Well, Carlos Dunlap, and as slow as Russell Wilson has gotten over the years, Russell Wilson's probably still faster than Carlos Dunlap, right? That's probably not news. Quarterback, edge, size differential. So instead of Carlos Dunlap directly trying to straight line chase Russell Wilson, where Wilson can then get out, extend the play, and get a first down, Carlos Dunlap, like an NBA player, like Dikembe Mutombo, put his arms up and almost face guarded him so he wouldn't get by him. Dunlap affected so many plays in this game, plays that will not show up in the box score. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Carlos Dunlap, just such a veteran move in those instances. Well, remember, he was Russell Wilson's teammate. So a smart player like Carlos Dunlap will catalog some of those preferences that a player like Russell Wilson has and know what they're doing. So Just another savvy player on the Chiefs defensive line. I think he has been huge. I don't know where we would be without him. I like Mike Dana just fine. George Karloftis is progressing, but that signing was was so, so key after uh, Melvin Ingram went to Miami. Yeah, and I will tell you this much. I like Dunlap way more than Melvin Ingram, at least as far as from an impact standpoint. Carlos Dunlap has been everything and more that the Chiefs could have hoped for. Uh, Let's get into the Hot Take Kingdom. Again, if you're new here, Hot Take Kingdom is something we do weekly, one of our favorite segments. Adam comes up with a hot take. Either I agree or disagree. There will be a poll in the chat where you guys can either agree or disagree. Either I go into the kingdom with Adam or I stay on the outside looking in. Adam, what do you have for us this week? Hopefully we'll clash a little bit more this week. Last, Last week was a little too kumbaya yeah, I hated it. For my liking. It. Frankly, frankly, I was I was irate. I was livid. It irked me. It it it, it had my ire. Okay. I, we I don't, don't like need that. to go full skip and Shannon, but a little conflict is, is good radio. Anyway, this week's hot take hot take kingdom is 
Andy Reid does not need to establish the run to fulfill some antiquated, arbitrary sense of balance. He's taking the optimal path by aggressively leaning into the passing attack. Welcome to the kingdom. It's sort of a faux pas to criticize Andy Reid for most things. Favoring veterans over young talent to a fault, clock management, fourth down decision-making, etc. But the one criticism of Big Red that always seems in vogue is the trite complaint of he doesn't run the ball enough. Like baseball and basketball before it, football has become more analytically inclined, which has turned it into a passing league. Passing has proven to be more efficient than rushing. The 1985 Bears and 2000 Ravens would not win Super Bowls in this climate. The game has simply changed too much. The Chiefs offense is first in DVOA, first in expected points per play, first in points per game. And they're also first in percentage of drives that result in a first down or better, meaning first down, touchdown, field goal, they're first. Do we really want to make the most prolific offense in the game less optimized? I don't think we do. So four of the five teams that lead the NFL in game script neutral pass rate on first down are the Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles, the best teams in football. That is not a coincidence. They've leaned in to the optimal strategy and it's paying off for them. Look, slamming the ball up the gut is not the only way to achieve some balance and keep defensive guessing. Screens and reverses to Kadarius Toney, McCole Hardman, and Sky Moore, along with dump offs and check downs to Jarek McKinnon, provide sort of a de facto rushing attack. And I'd say the same thing for Patrick Mahomes and his scrambles. It, it accomplishes the same thing. It keeps the defense from being able to, to drop seven, to drop eight, to dare the Chiefs to run. Additionally, ball security and decision-making are factors here. Since Mahomes entered the league, only Tom Brady has been better at avoiding sacks. And only Aaron Rodgers has been better at avoiding interceptions. I love Isaiah Pacheco and I love Jerick McKinnon, but one is a seventh round pick and the other is a journeyman player. And both have had costly fumbles this season. That's a fact. I know who I want to have the ball down the stretch and that's the MVP. Now this will blow your mind. I think it will at least. How many Super Bowls have star running backs, Aaron Jones, Alvin Kamara, Austin Eckler, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, and Saquon Barkley appeared in? Okay. That, was a, that was a mouthful. Zip. Okay, I, I'm Zip. about to get, no, no, I'm getting with you right now. It's not about having a star running back. I don't. I will always be on the hill of star running backs in the NFL. They're not as big of a game changer as the majority of the national media, Madden, would like to make you believe. What matters mm-hmm. is this scheme. It's the reason why the 49ers have been so successful running the football with McCaffrey, with Literally anyone, Raheem Mostart with Jeff Wilson Jr. Doesn't matter. Jarek McKinnon, they can put anyone back there and it'll be successful. It's not about the running back. It's about the scheme. The Chiefs don't have to establish the run. Sorry, I, I got to get in here now. The Chiefs don't no, have to establish good. the run, but they have to use it when it behooves them to use it. Against the Bengals in the playoffs, what was working? Run the damn ball, okay? Like, it, it's not a hard concept. We, we know. The numbers will show us, analytically speaking, passing's the, the the better method of winning and moving the ball down the field. I'm not disagreeing with you. As an analytical guy myself, I will agree. You don't have to establish the run for play action to work. There's been no correlation between running the football more and play action that the defensive backs are gonna are gonna bite more. They've done a lot of numbers into this, and what it shows, they're still gonna either bite or they're not. Okay. Correct. What, ma- what, what matters is, can Andy Reid in this Chiefs offense just stick to it when it's working? When you're gashing t- teams for seven yards to carry on the ground, why go away from it? It makes no sense. I- I'm not saying establish it, but use it when it behooves them to use it. And you mentioned four of the five teams that lead the NFL in game script neutral pass rate on first down are the Bengals, Bills, Chiefs, and Eagles. What do you take away from those four teams? Four best quarterbacks in the NFL this season, those teams. Of course, they're going to have good numbers. They're the four best four best quarterbacks in the NFL this year. So, yeah, it's going to look better because they have the guys. You're not going to see Ryan Tannehill up there. It doesn't gonna matter. See- we, we have Patrick Mahomes. 
That's well, I just, get that, but it's not a catch-all. It's not just, okay, just Patrick, we have Mahomes throw the ball 87 times a game. You saw what happened to Josh I mean, Allen. What happened to, jo- what happened to Josh Allen and the Bills this year? Right here. What happened to Josh Allen and the Bills this year? You know why they're they're winning, they're, uh, but why have they looked a little bit worse as the season's gone on? I Josh think because Allen, Josh Allen well, hurt his, his elbow. Sure. He, he runs the ball too much. He should, he should. And throws the ball too much. The, the, the usage no. rate of Josh Allen was astronomical. It was unsustainable. Throwing and that's is not the seeing. problem. Patrick Mahomes isn't having elbow problems. He throws more than anybody. Josh Allen is having problems with his health because they use him like Cam Newton, like he's a human battering ram. And the other team in the top five is the Seattle Seahawks. I think leaning into this optimal strategy, I give Pete Carroll all the credit in the world for evolving has helped Geno Smith. They've unlocked him. I wouldn't call him a top quarterback in the league, but he's he's played great. And I think a lot of that has to do with strategy. I, I just disagree here, man. And I understand the argument of screen passes and reverses and those little forward passes to, you know, Kadarius Tony. I'm cool with that. If you're going to count that as part of the the run game or extension of the run game, I'll listen to that and, and, and I'll agree with you. But at, at some point, you've seen the Chiefs dominate teams on the ground. We've heard from former NFL players. And by the way, surprisingly, me and Adam have not played in the NFL. There's something different run blocking for the offensive linemen. There's something different about the rhythm you get in imposing your will on the other team. There is something to it. So while you can't put a uh, a quantitative number on that, a quantitative number, because there's no real stat that's going to prove this, real number that's going to prove this, if you're getting five, six yards of carry in the ground, which Isaiah Pacheco had been doing for the most part this season since he took over as as a starter, Keep doing it. I'm not saying run the ball 40 times, but but show some balance. Get into a rhythm. What is I mean, what is balance? Because what, what, is ne- balance what is balance is when there's when there's six dudes in the or five, five guys in the box, what are you gonna do? Run the ball. If there's seven dudes in the box, what are you gonna do? Pass the ball. Okay. It's not that hard of a concept. This Chiefs no, team it is built this I, offensive I, line. This Chiefs team built this offensive line to get better running the football. Did they not? What does Trey Smith do best? What does Creed Humphrey do best? What does Orlando Brown Jr. do best? The guys. Run blocking. It's run blocking. It's it's being large human beings imposing Joe their will. Like the fifth best pl- pass blocker in the entire NFL. Did, did I did I say Joe Tooney? No, did you I, didn't. Did I leave him out for a reason? For a reason? Si- he's their biggest free agent offensive lineman signing. So I think that shows intent. I think that shows intent to protect Patrick Mahomes. I have to disagree with the notion that the Chiefs lost to the Bengals because they wouldn't run the ball. They lost because Tyreek and Kelsey couldn't catch the ball. And no, Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle and McCole Hardman were not dependable. So Mahomes, Mahomes was just stuck. Mahomes, Mahomes was just stuck. He got the Mah- Chuck Knobloch. I think Mahomes got the yips a little bit, but I think his receivers totally let, let him down. It was just a disaster of a performance from all those guys. I want to point out Justin Hayes in the chat. Again, thank you guys all for commenting, for for talking, for uh, arguing or agreeing, whatever you guys want to do in this. I do appreciate everyone who comments and is uh, enjoying this show and commenting and interacting with this show. Um, when, when I said, what do, I, what do you mean I can't quantify it? What does that mean? You can't put a number on opposing your will or the offensive line enjoys run blocking more than pass blocking. If you've talked to any offensive lineman, I've been uh, you know, lucky enough to talk with a lot of former chiefs offensive linemen. They will all say it's way more fun to run block than a pass block. There's something to the imposing your will. Then go you play can't for in... someone else besides Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. The, then the why best passing for coach Orlando of all Brown time Jr. And, the, and, and the most talented quarterback of all time. Orlando Brown Jr., was a square peg in a round hole, but they didn't really have any other options. If they would have picked someone late in the first round, they would have been stuck with someone who wasn't ready to protect Patrick Mahomes' blindside. Has he been dominant? No. And at at times he's been bad, but I think he's been suitable for the position they were in. They didn't think they were going to lose Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher in the same season. They were, it was kind of a break glass in case of emergency situation. And what we should talk about here is like, what's the number? Because I never want to see our running backs get 25 handoffs in a game. 
if it's working, why not? I don't care how you win a game, win the game. Because I just I, I, I'm over Bill Belichick method in that in that instance where I don't care about numbers. You win the game. Like I get Mahomes gives you the best chance the majority of the time to win the game, but when it's working, stick with it. Don't try to don't try and reinvent the wheel. Don't try and pad stats. I don't think they necessarily try and pad stats. But again, if you're getting seven yards a carry, it makes no sense to go away from it. I mean, Mahomes picking up seven yards for him is that's chump change. For the most I time, just don't want to take yeah. the ball out of the most talented player in the world's hands. And that goes for, for the kicking game that's in shambles right now with Tommy Townsend and Harrison Butker. They can't get their shit together. I think we need to go for it more. So that's really the argument here. It is an analytics argument. It is a data-driven argument, but it is also a Patrick Mahomes argument. And kind of my pet theory is that Chiefs Kingdom grew up on Marty Ball, and we've seen decades and decades of running backs. Priest, the Nigerian Nightmare, Larry Johnson, Jamal Charles, Marcus Allen. You can keep going, even Kareem Hunt. But what haven't we seen until now? A franchise quarterback. So I think we've been kind of conditioned as a fan base to think running the football and kind of playing smash mouth style is how you win. And I just don't think that's how you win in 2023. I think the point you brought up was actually a very good one. What Chiefs fans are used to seeing. I, I think that was actually one that never gets talked about enough. And frankly, I've never even thought about it that way. I think it's mm-hmm. a very good point you brought up. I, I just truly think that this offensive line as well as angry drunken German says, which again, love that name. You always make me laugh at that. If the Chiefs trade for Larry Tunsil, he says best he'll concede this argument. But right now, the tackles just, they're not there. And he said something else, but uh, I'm keeping it PC. Hey, I, I want us to trade. That was the argument last week was bring hey, in, we agree. Yeah, bring in but, Laramie Tunsil. But Laramie Tunsil thrives in pass protection. Orlando Brunton Jr., as he's progressed throughout the season, he's been really solid. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to rip that much on Orlando Brunton Jr. This is not trying to be me being a hater on him. But what's he excel at more than, than the other? He, he's a better run blocker. That's what he was brought in for. That was his his niche, if you will. I, I just I, I just get a little frustrated when running the football is working and they just stop. It doesn't make sense against Denver last week to an extent. I know they weren't running the football extremely well, but when the strong point of the Denver defense is their secondary, at, at some point, take advantage of their weakness. I know what Mahomes was the is, game is the best. We ran, what was the game we ran the ball the most? Oh, I don't have that off the top of my head. I believe it was the Rams game, and our offense looked putrid that game. It looked putrid. No, they looked, looked putrid in the red zone. It they didn't look putrid in the red zone at all. I don't know. This is just a pro Patrick Mahomes argument, and I think we should think about it more than than just saying Andy Andy wants to be cute or he wants to be stylish or he he doesn't want to be boring and he should just you know run the damn football. I don't think it's that easy. I, I'm just going to disagree with you here. Um, I, again, I don't think it's that. It's just an easy equation here. I'm not just saying run the football for the sake of running the football. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in certain situations when you're gashing the team on the ground, stick with it. Stop going away from it. I hate RPOs for the, for the most part. Uh, I think you put your offensive line in a precarious situation. They're pass blocking when it could be a run. Um, sometimes they get down the field too quickly. You get the five yards. I, I'm just not a massive fan of RPOs. I think the NFL, for the most part, is starting to catch on. I, again, I'm just a fan. I know I've said this so many times here, so you're probably getting annoyed. I know you are, but when it's working, stop going away from what's working. Don't overthink it. But what's working is them being basically the past heaviest team in the league because they're first in all these categories that I said, DVOA, EPA, points per game. So why should they run more when they're already the best? It's working. Why, if it's not broken, why fix it? That is Over, overall numbers is argument. working. Overall numbers, it's working. We 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 know what's more efficient to pass than to run. We know that. I'm not disagreeing with the efficiency number. My point is, there are times when running the ball makes sense for five yards, and it's almost going to be a guaranteed five yards. There's no guarantees, but just hear me out here. There's a better chance of you getting that five yards consistently when you're gashing the team than all of a sudden now you're dropping back. The odds of a completion percentage, let's just say Mahomes, I think, what's he at, 67% this season? Sounds why, right. why, take, take the five. Take, take what the defense is giving you. That's an interesting comment from Justin Hayes. Would you rather have third and four or third and 10? For 31, for 31 teams, I would say third and four. For the Kansas City Chiefs, 
I would honestly say third and 10. A while ago, it's been a while since I've looked at this, the the Chiefs actually converted a higher clip on third and long than like third and medium. And I think that's because they just lean on Patrick Mahomes. He is an absolute terror on third and long, the best I've ever seen. And, And his most famous play, his signature play in the Super Bowl, Wasp, was a third and long. I'm just going to disagree. I'm not going into the kingdom this week. I was, I was all in with you last week. I had a blast with you. Uh, looks like we have some votes in right now. Keep voting if you guys would like. Uh, 45% agree with you, 55% disagree. So it's very, very, uh, very, very close. Again, I'm not saying establish the run. Just take what is given. It's situational football. As Jose Luis Gutierrez says, situational ball, not necessarily just the overarching aspect of this. Can't just always say pass situationally it can call for the run hey third and one chad henny to tyree kill you know i mean you you can always pass it's always an option and i'm glad i'm glad we butted heads a little bit this was fun i think hopefully it was good radio for everyone out there uh wanted to take a little bit more of a contrarian take to make sure that we had some conflict uh so you're not coming in no barbecue for you but we have a new segment we're going to move on to. This will be a ton of fun. And what we're doing is an all-time Chiefs fantasy draft. This is a new game that we thought would brighten everyone's spirits. So Sterling and I will each pick a team, a fantasy team, comprised of only Chiefs from the franchise's entire history. So the rosters will be one quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, and a flex. We'll do a snake draft. To make it fair, since one of us will get Mahomes and Sterling, I'm deferring to you. Uh, I went first last time. Is that fair? I went first last time, and I believe I kicked your ass. Cool. But we didn't snake last time, so maybe that maybe that was the problem. Hey, I came up with a game, so I, I think it's only fair that I give you <laughs> that I give you the first pick. Uh, all right, then I, I will go Mahomes. Okay, that's to be expected. I'm going to counter here. I'm going to wait on my quarterback strategically well yeah and, smart now see i wanted to go second <laughs> oh you, you, know, you did you did well you, but you got patrick freaking mahomes i'm gonna go with the greatest receiving tight end of all time the goat travis kelsey and the most efficient running back of the past two decades in jamal charles the all-time rushing yards leader for the chiefs you son of a gun <laughs> <laughs> jamal charles uh, one of the few legitimate running backs that have made a massive difference, even in the analytical community, like the, the super hardcore analytical guys, they look at Jamal Charles and they're like, yep, yep, that guy, he makes a difference. He's. Have you ever seen those charts where Mahomes is always in the top right corner? That's Jamal Charles with running backs. He is always in that top right corner. He's moved in. I'm going to go with... You get two picks now. Yeah, I know. I'm going Tyreek Hill because I think Tyreek Hill is yeah Tyreek Hill, and then go give me Tony Gonzalez, give mm-hmm. me Tony Gonzalez. Yeah, I thought about picking him. I know I, it's strategically what I'm trying to do right now. The all-time leader in receiving yards for the Chiefs. You know Tyreek would have passed Otis Taylor, who's who's third all-time, and that who that's who I'm going to pick because Otis. Let's pay some some. Homage to the uh, the Super Bowl team, right? And the old school Chiefs. So Otis is only behind Travis Kelsey and Tony G in all-time yards. So I'm going to go with him at my first receiver slot. And then I'm going to go with the Priest. Priest Holmes, <clears throat> the all-time rushing TD leader for the Chiefs. Um, had to do it to you, man. Had to do you it. You asked. You knew. because I See, I knew if I were to go... Let's say Priest Holmes with that pick. What are uh-huh. you doing? You're good. You're getting Tony Gonzalez as your flex. I am. Yeah. I'm I almost bo- I almost did it instead of Jamal Charles, but I, I, I couldn't resist Jamal. I'm I'm boned either way. It was a yeah. lose-lose situation. I knew what I was doing there. You did. Uh, dang it. All right. I'm gonna go with gosh. Do I go Larry Johnson, who was so talented, put up a ton of numbers, who I was not a massive fan of for the way he handled everything in Kansas City. Do I go with the talent and look past that? Do you think I can do it best? Hey, that's a guy that could handle 400 carries, but can he handle 
himself off the field? Uh, that's the question. For, for, for this for this one, is is strictly on-field production. So uh, I'll go with Larry Johnson. Okay. And then I will go ooh, for my flex between Marcus Allen and Christian Okoye. This is tough. It's brutal. This is tough. The longevity – just career-wise of Marcus Allen was obviously longer than Christian Okoye, but strictly just Kansas City, that makes it close. I'm going to go Marcus Allen. I'm going to go Marcus Allen. Okay. You left him on the board. For the fear factor alone, I mean, those those hulking shoulder pads, I'm taking Christian Okoye, the Nigerian nightmare, as my flex. Welcome to the squad, Christian. Um yeah, strategically, I'm going to keep waiting on quarterback. I think you know who I'll probably go with there. But I need a wide receiver, too. Oh, man. Do I go Dwayne Bow? Do I go Carlos Carson? I'm going to go with Carlos Carson, who had 1,000 yards three times and has been one of the better receivers we've ever had. I, I think he's probably the third best in terms of consistency receiver the Kansas City Chiefs have ever had. I lied. Uh, Marcus Allen is my RB2, not flex. So I'm actually going to go with two wide receivers here. I'm going to go with Dwayne Bowe. I'm going to go with Eddie Kinnison. I loved Eddie Kinnison when I was growing up, so I'm putting Eddie Kinnison as my flex. I, you guys might rip on me. For, for some reason, Eddie Kinnison was the guy in the wide receiver one I always looked to when I was a child. I just have fond memories of Eddie so I'll put him as my flex. He's no joke. He had two thousand. I mean, he had a thousand yards two times. So he was a uh, a pretty damn good receiver who gets lost in the shuffle. Maybe that's because of having Tyreek and Patrick now. Maybe it's because he was in Tony G's shadow. My only position left is quarterback, and I'm going with Lynn Dawson, Lenny the Cool, the original franchise quarterback for the Chiefs who delivered us with our, uh, our um, first Super Bowl. Uh, what about Jackie Battle? Because Jackie Battle, if I need three yards, he'll get you three yards. If I need four yards, he'll get me three yards. <laughs> can what, I about, put, uh, what are we doing here? I'm, I'm going to pick Kimball <laughs> Anders or something? Can I, can I put Tony Richardson? Can I get a fullback in here? T. Rich, yeah. I'm just going to go from the I formation and just just pound it with, with T. Rich at fullback and Larry Johnson behind him. Okay, so let's run down the teams. Team Sterling is Patrick Mahomes at quarterback. The running backs are Larry Johnson and Marcus Allen. The receivers are Tyreek Hill and Dwayne Bowe. That's pretty potent. Tony Gonzalez is the tight end, and his flex is Eddie Kinnison. And here's Team Adam. Quarterback Lenny Dawson. And the running backs are Jamal Charles and Priest Holmes. I have to say that's sick. Wide receiver one is Otis Taylor. Wide receiver two is Carlos Carson. Went old school with the receivers. The tight end is Travis Kelsey. And the flex is the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye. That was a lot of fun, dude. I liked it. I think you may have won. It's close. Hey, I had revenge on my mind because I do think you got the best of me when we drafted the current Chiefs. You did. Uh, That was fun. Good one. I'm proud. Adam, that was a good game. Adam's the the brainchild behind that one. So I got to give credit where credit is. I have more games than, than, uh, is it Hasbro or Milton Bradley? One of those. A lot of games. (laughs) I like John F. How about the most dynamic player in the NFL? Dexter McCluster. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, great. He even has the whole play. He zigs. He jukes. He zags. He reverses field. He hurdles a tackler. Jukes a defensive end. Gain of two. Second and eight. Hey, but I will never forget, I think it was opening day and, and probably in prime time when he took it to the house, took that return to the house against the Chargers, the Phillip River Chargers that we, we hated so much. So he had some moments. Let's get into the next one, the segment of KC stock market pump or dump. Uh, Let's get to the first one. The Chiefs should continue to play Trent McDuffie in the slot and Legereus Sneed outside. Do more to size. Pump or dump? I'm a medium pump. I I think they're somewhat interchangeable. And at times, I think Spag should reserve the right to put Sneed out on bigger receivers like DK Metcalf. But I, I like to see Snead in the slot some. He's such a sure tackler. He's a good blitzer. But we saw last Sunday that Trent McDuffie, that was a gorgeous strip sack. Derek Thomas-esque caused a turnover, which this defense desperately needs more of. 
And he's feisty in there. He's a good tackler. He's a smart ball player. I like what I've seen from him in the slot. So I'm a pump, but just not a huge pump. I think they shouldn't glue each of those guys to these stationary positions. I think they should be interchangeable. Uh, I, yeah, I'm going to dump this one because I don't think they need to play them in this specific role more or less. Legereus Sneed is so versatile. I think Trim McDuffie is very versatile, but uh, it's going to be more matchup-based than anything. There was a reason why Legereus Sneed traveled with DK Metcalf. It did not travel in this game against the Denver Broncos. Uh, McDuffie, like you mentioned, is very quick blitzing from – uh, the slot, but Legereus Sneed is too. Legereus Sneed is the the Swiss Army knife, if you will, right? I, I think I'm fine either way. I don't think you have to force a roll on either of these guys, so I'm going to dump this one. All right. Let's move on to the next one. Juan Thornhill continues to look like the weakest link on the defense, and Brian Cook should start to eat into his snaps more. Pump or dump? Mm. Really good question. Really good question here. Um, Late in the season, too, for a switch, but... I'm going to dump. Uh, I'm going to dump this one. I, I would almost agree, or I probably will agree, he's the weakest link on defense, Juan Thornhill, but I don't think he's a major negative. I don't think like he's an absolutely unplayable safety. Um, hey, there is no such thing as an unplayable safety in Kansas City. We saw that last year. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to name any names, but I think we all know who we're talking about here. Uh, and Brian Cook. We've seen a little from Brian Cook, but not enough that makes me think, oh, yeah, he needs to be playing every down. I, I don't see that in this late in the season. I don't buy it. I'm going to dump this one. I think one Thornhill is still the guy, the best option at that particular spot. Yeah, I have to think. I had to think about this one, but I am dumping too. It's sort of the, the grass is greener on the other side. We just really don't know what Brian Cook is. He's an unknown commodity. And at least we know – Juan Thornhill is serviceable. He does make mistakes. He looks lost out there at times, but he's not quite a liability most of the time. And I think Justin Reed is playing better, to be honest, which has helped that entire secondary. The next one, Kadarius Toney is now the most efficient wide receiver on the roster, according to yards per route run. It'll be a major factor in the playoffs. Pump or dump? I'm pump. And... Not the biggest pump you've ever seen, but that's mainly because of his health and because of the health of McCole Hardman. So I just don't know the situation there, how many snaps he's going to get, but I really loved what they did with him on Sunday. And we all know that with the, the screens and the end arounds, he's super shifty and moves like few humans do, right? But what we saw was the Chiefs lined him up in the backfield and sent him out on a wheel route. And Mahomes threw one up to him that he had to go up and snatch so he can win contested catches. We've seen him be a, a downfield threat. We've seen him be at times even an, an intermediate threat in traffic. I think he's butting into a complete receiver. And I don't know if it's going to happen as fast as we want or need it to this postseason. But I think eventually this, this guy is going to be the best receiver on the team because the talent is just off the charts. He just has to keep his head straight and, and himself healthy. But the talent, it, I don't think has ever been in question. And now you see why he was picked in the top 25 in the draft, right? Uh, I will pump this one in a fairly hard pump. And you saw MVS last week, um, two of two catches, seven targets. Uh, Mahomes and himself have not been on the same page, especially on deep balls, pretty much the entire season. Um I don't think MVS has had a bad year. I'm not blaming this all on MVS. That's not what I'm trying to do here, but there is some of them not being on the same page. Uh, Justin Watson was having a nice little fun season, if you will, right? Just the the, the storyline, especially, I think, was driving that. But then he had a few major drops in games. Kadarius Tony is not just a McCole Hardman end around and vertical only type of guy. Kadarius Tony is great on deep balls, yes, but does a lot over the middle as well. It seems like he does have the best rapport with Mahomes on deep balls already, so I think he probably eats into MVS and Justin Watson in situations where the game's on the line. Me, personally, I'm putting my most talented wide receiver, the guy that can go up and get it, and has actually shown the ability to come down with the football. I know MVS is 6'4", that's great, but he doesn't always play 6'4". I don't have Kadarius Tony's height in front of me, but what I will say is he plays bigger than he is. 
Kadarius Tony is listed at six foot. Kadarius Tony plays bigger at times by going up and getting it than the six four MVS. I think Tony eats into both those guys playing time. I think he is a major factor in the playoffs. I'm pumping hard on this one. Ooh. Being a ball winner and succeeding at contested catches is not necessarily just height. Like Chase Claypool sucks at it. MVS, not very good. Tyree Kill and Steve Smith, fantastic at it. So it's it's jumping ability, it's moxie, it's timing, it's toughness, it's so many intangibles. And I agree with you, that connection with MVS and Mahomes, we saw it was off in the preseason and they've had so many misconnections and can't get on the same page. It's a little frustrating because, uh, and I don't want to just blame MVS. Mahomes is partially responsible for it too. And it's happened with other players like McCole Hardman, but it's, it's a problem one way or another. And if they can't figure it out, someone else will supplant him. And I think Tony could eat into his snaps. Uh, let's get into the fourth one, special teams coach Dave Tobe's job is in jeopardy if he doesn't get his special teams play cleaned up ASAP. Pump or dump? I'm pumping. This is a what have you done for me lately league. Big stakes, especially for this team that is trying to be a dynasty. And, you know, their Super Bowl window right now is, is every year for the next 10 years. So they can't afford to screw around on a unit that for a lot of teams, if you're the Denver Broncos or if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers, yeah, you might want to manufacture some points by returning punts. But for Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey with Andy Reid coaching them and a great offensive line, it doesn't really matter if they start on the two or the 25. And the fact that they haven't really understood that, just, just give Patrick the ball. Just don't, if there's even a chance that the return will get dicey, just don't do it. Just, you know, just fair catch it and let let the best offense in the world do its thing. So that's very frustrating. The kicking game has been a mess. And like I said earlier, I think we should kick less, but there will come a time where we will need Harrison Butker's leg, whether we want to rely on it or not. We saw that in the in the divisional round last year, that that whole 13 seconds thing. There just wasn't enough time for Patrick to score a touchdown there. So he needed to come up clutch, and he did. But this year, it's just been a mess. And now we see today that his back is hurting. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, he's having, spasms. yeah. he's having back spasms. I feel for him. My back, not great, like your back. Um, too, you know, us rioters, too much sitting. But uh, yeah, I, I would like Dave Tobe to stick around. He's a good coach. But it's week 18, and we're still having problems. So you know, he's got to figure it out fast. Uh, so I'm going to dump this one because I think he at least gets another year at minimum. He has nearly a decade of excellence here in Kansas city. Uh, his units have typically fi- uh, fixed top 10 or top five in almost any single metric you will look at. Special teams have not been a major issue his entire tenure, except this season. Uh, it comes with correlation with a lot of new guys. Uh, it comes with correlation of Tommy Townsend uh, getting called out for, for his holding ability. Uh, I, will, I will point out some of that is on Dave Tobe, right? I'm not saying Dave Tobe is blameless in all of, in all of these uh, holding and not holding what's going on situations. He has something to do with this, okay? But my point is, Harrison Bucker has been banged up the majority of this season. Going into this year, he was second all-time in field goal percentage. Second all-time. Crazy, right? So, mm-hmm. but, but Bucker is obviously banged up, not only with the ankle, but now with the back. He can't just all of a sudden say, yeah, go out there and make this kick. He's another one missing kicks. Uh, some of it, it seems to be up there. No, no, no. He's I'm missing extra Dave points. Tome. I'm talking Dave Tobe. What's oh, Dave Tobe okay. supposed to do? Hey, Bucker. Make the kick, guy. Well, yeah, no shit. You wanted to make the kick, but Dave Tobe isn't doing that. Dave Tobe isn't the guy fumbling the ball. I will make the case. Just fair catch it. Or guess what? Don't catch it at all. You know why? Like you mentioned, start of the 25, start of the 20, start of the 2. With this offense, give them the ball, they have a good chance of scoring. You know how I know they don't have a good chance of scoring? When they don't get the ball. So I'm with you there. That's something that is teachable as far as when to let the ball go. When to take the ball out, when to not take the ball out. But he's not the guy fumbling. I think he's had a long enough track record that he deserves at least another season here in Kansas City. So I am dumping. Yeah, I'm not trying to be too hardcore with it. But if Tommy Townsend isn't working as a holder, can 
can someone else on the roster hold? I don't know if it's Chad Henney or, or who. I mean, let's let's take a look before we get into the playoffs. And and if we're you know if we're boat racing the uh, the Raiders, it might be a time to look at something like that. Look at a replacement holder because I, I, Tommy Townsend is a problem, and Harrison Butker is struggling enough without any extra issues put on his plate. Let's get into Analytics Addict, where we will take a look at something analytical and give you some numbers behind them. Adam, what do you have for us? So this is just a little short one, and it's sort of strange. The Chiefs defensive line has two of the three league leaders in batted passes. Carlos Dunlap and George Karloftis both have seven swats apiece. Dunlap is a skyscraper, so that explains part of it. And like we hear on every single broadcast Karloftis played water polo. You guys don't have to tell us anymore. CBS, uh, we, we get it. We get it. Um, did, did you know Chris Hogan played lacrosse? Oh, I didn't know that. I only heard that 47 times during Patriots games. Some of this has to be coaching. And Chris Jones said after the game that, that uh, and, and this is pretty, I mean, just common sense stuff, but he pointed out that the coaching staff instructs them to get their big mitts up in passing lanes on reps where they can't win. And I'm sure a lot of coaches do that, but the Chiefs actually have two of their edges are the league leaders at this. So, and and we've seen Chris Jones do this at times too. The Super Bowl against the 49ers was one very notable um, example of, of Chris Jones making a huge swat uh, and, and batting a ball. So what do you think is responsible for this? Is, is this just the kind of length that, Spags likes to draft this coaching. Is this just we a coincidence with these two guys? I would say a little bit of both. I think a lot of it is the fact that Spags likes his tall guys. We've seen it with, let's say, Tano Passanio for a long time, right? You have to have the height to play DN on this team. That, that's a Spags special. I, I think that's probably the majority of this. And what Spags teaches us is why he likes these tall guys. They don't have to always be the bendiest guys, as we've seen with George Karloffis. He wins a lot with his motor. Right. That's that's what we've we've heard from going into this year, and what we've seen. But I, I see Go Hawks is maybe because it gets stalemated more at the line. I, I actually think they've done a pretty good job getting after the quarterback. Uh, I'm not saying they're the, the best in the NFL, but they've done a nice job getting after the quarterback. They were top five in sacks uh, at one point, uh, I believe, up until what was it, week 12. George Karloftis was the leading um, rookie edge guy in pressures behind Aiden Hutchins, or now he's behind Aiden Hutchinson, but he was even leading him. So I don't know if it's necessarily that go Hawks, but I think it's a good point to at least bring up. But I, I think a lot of it comes from teaching and what Spags truthfully believes. And we're seeing why he likes his tall edges. Yeah. He's pretty stubborn about liking those tall edges, but uh, you know, worked for him in New York with the giants with uh, OC and, and tuck and Strahan and, it, 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 well, it, it helps with those guys. It yeah. helps you have Michael Strahan out there. <laughs> it, it does. But I like some of the things the defensive line is doing. I really like uh, Mike Dana playing inside. He has he doesn't really have the elite athleticism to be super disruptive outside, but they've smartly put him inside. And as long as he's not getting doubled, he has great power for an edge. And we're seeing him play better and better as the season goes on and be a contributor. So like we said, they found Carlos Dunlap. They're bringing George Karloftis along and they're giving Chris Jones the freedom to kind of line up where he thinks he needs to during these, these pivotal moments down the stretch. So uh, give Spag some credit. He's not working with say the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line here, is he? No. No, he's not. I will say, though, Chris Jones is no slouch. It could be no, worse. No, no. You have a first-round draft pick. You have Chris Jones. Uh, you you have Carlos Dunlap, a veteran. You have Frank Clark, another veteran. It, it's not the worst D-line in the NFL. It's not the best, but it's definitely not the worst. I, I don't even think it's top 10, but 25 teams or so don't have a defensive lineman as good as Chris Jones. You know, there's Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, just a few guys, right? I mean, maybe that's generous. Maybe there's only three or four teams with a player of his magnitude at this point in this year. Yeah, there's probably only two guys in his class, maybe three in his class at interior defense alignment. I would say Chris Jones, this year's been number one. 
Aaron Donald obviously has the the legacy, and he's still incredible as always. Uh, DeForest Buckner, I would probably throw in there at probably third, and maybe Quentin Williams after yeah. because Quentin Williams for the Jets has had a nice year. But again, Chris Jones has been the best interior defensive lineman in the entire NFL this season. Yeah, and some of those other guys have more talent around them. So that's a big argument for Chris Jones for defense player of the year. We already pointed out that he probably won't win because it's sort of a narrative driven award and whoever has the most sacks tends to win that award. Uh, and also he's playing in the shadow of Patrick Mahomes who will probably win MVP, but we're going to keep pushing for Chris Jones, defensive player of the year. And you never know, right? Yeah. You never know. Well, that's all we have for you guys on this edition of wacky Wednesday. It's been a really tough week. We hope you're getting through it. We hope us getting a little silly and arguing and talking chiefs football has, has helped you process and, and get through hump day. Uh, but until this weekend, go chiefs. Everybody in your crew identifies as either big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.